0: We pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, our hearts inspire. Lead us. Lead us, oh God, to be faithful, be true to ourselves, true to our identity as children of God. Help us to hear today. Amen. In her book uh, *Encountering God*, Diana Eck describes the way the church functioned in the Middle Ages. This period was about from the fifth century to the eleventh century, so we're talking about about fifteen hundred years ago. It was uh, it was bleak. Rome had been defeated, so there was a lot of chaos all over what used to be the Roman Empire. People had to scrape to get by because food was scarce and jobs were hard to come by. But there was one bright spot in most of these villages, and that was the local cathedral. It was sort of a, a works project uh, of sorts, and it gave thousands of people their jobs. All these cathed- cathedrals, these big, high-ceiling cathedrals in each town during that time even in the small towns where the cultural spiritual and social center of life it's where they got everything and in Europe if you're lucky enough to travel there you can still see a lot of these amazing stained glass uh, pieces of art uh, uh, murals sculpture from that period the very places that in a time when almost nobody knew how to read People could go and gather, and they could learn the biblical stories just by walking in and worshiping. So Pentecost was one of the biggest Sundays, just as big as Easter, just as big as Christmas. It was huge. In many of these cathedrals, under their dome, these painted domes of stars, whatever they had at the top of their roof, there were hidden these, uh, uh, in these vaulted uh, ceilings, Um, there were secret trap doors that they would open. So, I don't know, 1,400 years ago, if you found yourself there on Pentecost, during worship, some of the ushers would get up and climb the roof and open these vaulted doors. And at a certain time, I don't know when they knew, but at a certain time, probably the priest told them, um, this is when we want you to release the doves through the trap doors. I sure hope that the preacher preached before they did all this, because I know that uh, I've had a bird trapped in a sanctuary before. Nobody listens to anything you say uh, when that happens. But they'd come swooping down in the choir, Helen, the, the choir would start doing whooshing sounds, and they might even have a drummer who would kind of do a drum beat while all these doves were flying living symbols of the presence of the Holy Spirit, they would sing. Um, now, the trap doors after that would open again, and they would drop rose petals, just would rain down on the people as they worshipped, on worshippers to symbolize the tongues of fire of that day in the first century. I can only imagine how these worn out, beleaguered, mostly unemployed, illiterate worshipers who were working hand to mouth, I bet it was a beautiful scene. And I bet it gave them a chance just to relish in the beauty of gathered in the church. I bet it almost seemed like a miracle to them. Well, whatever it seemed, something deeply true was being shared back then in these old cathedrals. Diana Eck, the author of this book, said it better than I can. She said, when God comes into the church, when God comes into the church, something surprising, beautiful, and wonderfully unexpected almost always happens. Now, we don't yet have trap doors here at St. Luke's. We're working on it. No, we probably won't do that. But I appreciate Elliot flying that dove as we sang the first hymn. Glad that she did it carefully. Nobody was hurt uh, while we were singing that hymn. After Jesus ascended to heaven. He left about 120 men and women, it says in Luke. Just ascended 40 days after Passover, after his resurrection. And they were all gathered together in one place. Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem until they were clothed with power on high. That's how Jesus said it. And there they waited in Jerusalem, in an upper room with doors probably locked and the shutters drawn. They took care of a little business. This was when they had to replace Judas, who had died. And so they replaced Judas, they drew straws, and Matthias got the long straw and he joined the twelve disciples So, I guess that's the first, like, business meeting of the church, I guess. But they drew straws, and then they waited, and then they waited, and then they waited, and waited. And they must have wondered, what is our purpose as a church now, now that Jesus has left us? Who are we now that Jesus is gone? And it was a dead calm, like, what's next? While they were waiting, unsure of what to do, where to go, or who to be, they could hear the crowds gathering from all over the Roman Empire. All these Jews from all those strange places that Max tried to act like he knew how to pronounce. I don't even know either, by the way. But all those strange places, Phrygia. Well, I'm glad I didn't read it, but you get the point. There's just a lot of places. And they were jamming into the city. All these people who lived in where modern-day Turkey and, and, other, and other parts They were walking from everywhere you could imagine. They were talking in all kinds of different languages, these Jews were. Gathered there in Jerusalem for a celebration. that took place 50 days after Passover. They call it, our Jewish brothers and sisters call it Shavuot, which is Passover. And it was the day that the Jews celebrated God's giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Now what it, the other thing that they did in Jerusalem during um, Pentecost was they would bring the first the first shares of their spring crop. everybody would come from all over. if you could afford to go, you were supposed to go and it was a day to celebrate how God drew them together. Now they were speaking all kinds of languages all over the known world. I'm sure those Disciples, while they were bored and waiting, heard the temple priest celebrate the giving of the law of Moses. These words were in their bones and their hearts. The disciples probably didn't budge. They were hiding after all. They didn't open to even unlock the door. It just felt safe to stay inside, to hide behind the walls. But just as those disciples were reaching the point of insanity, deciding things maybe might be like this forever, we'll just wait around. That's when God came. That's when the power came. Rushing into the walls of their upper room, melting the paint, blowing open the shuttered doors off their hinges like the gust of a mighty wind. Flames danced above their heads like tongues of fire. With eyes wide open, the disciples began to speak. But they weren't speaking country bumpkin Galilean. They started to speak the languages of all these people around. And as they spoke, the building disappeared. The building disappeared. And it was like the building was burning down with people praising God. All these people from all over, they were, they were drawn and curious at the sound of their own languages. Thousands gathered to hear what they had to say. Each of them could understand perfectly, though they came from different parts of the world, spoke different languages. Luke doesn't tell us what they said. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But they must have spoke about the wonders of God, proclaiming the good news in a way that everybody could hear and understand. As the crowd gathered around this burning lot, they wondered out loud, what in the world could this mean? You see, they could understand what was going on. Have you ever just not understood what's going on? Have you? That happens all too often to me. Um, and, and Or have you, just, has, have you ever failed to be understood and people just didn't even try to understand you, what you were going through, your pain? Your brokenness? Nobody understood it? Nobody bothered? Well, just the opposite of that happened right there. People began to understand. They began to tune in and they began to hear God being praised. Then all of a sudden, Peter stands up, moved to the front, out into the streets. He goes from pulpit to pavement. Out into the streets, he moves Jesus and he says, let me explain. These people who you hear speaking all these languages, are not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Come on, people, he said. They're not filled with spirits. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And it is this spirit that's drawing us all together, says Peter, even in the midst of our differences. God's spirit, says Peter, has come to all of us. God has understood us. God gets us, the young The old, the women, the men, the powerful, the oppressed. In every language in the world, God's Spirit is speaking. And here we are, says Peter, from all kinds of different places, from all kinds of different lives, speaking different languages, but drawn together by this one Spirit that will not let us stay as we are. The Spirit gets us. The Spirit unites us. No matter what our differences are, the Spirit brings us together as one body. And before the end of the day, before the end of the day, that little church that had about 120 people, about as many people as here today, turned into the church of 3,000 because people understood and they received. Because the Spirit struck. It wasn't because Peter's sermon was the best sermon they ever heard. It wasn't because the disciples had a new marketing campaign. You know what they did? They did it the old-fashioned way. The reason so many people were drawn to this new church was because when these disciples, 120 of them, opened their mouths, they sounded like Jesus. When they greeted people from all over, they welcomed people like Jesus. When children cried, they didn't shoo them away. They put them on their laps just like Jesus And when the sick came near them, they held out their hands and they touched the untouchables just like Jesus. They started to do things that they never dreamed they could do, things they'd only seen Jesus do in the past. They breathed in the Holy Spirit and had no choice because once you breathe in the Holy Spirit, you got no choice but to step up, to step out, and to share and and to let God give you the words to help other people understand that they are loved just like Jesus. Was it time for God to be born again, not just in one body, that body had ascended, but in a body of believers who would inhale the Spirit of God, the good news of God, the breath of life from their Lord, and pass it on using their bodies as a place where the Spirit would dwell. Did you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Did you know that the Spirit longs to fill your life and my life and our life together so that we might burn as well with good news? The world today, I'm sure, is as sad and broken and discouraged as all of those who gather in Jerusalem. The world is looking for somebody that's got the guts, no It has the Spirit to speak up to say that there is hope, that Jesus loves you. Don't give up on yourself. Come, gather. Let's see what the Spirit has to say. Will anybody go like Peter? Will anybody let the Holy Spirit blow the shutters off and let the trapdoors go and let the dove fly in your life? Because I tell you, it's a vulnerable place to be. But it's an awesome and powerful place to be too. Jesus told him, wait, wait in Jerusalem, and you will be filled with power. And once you get some of that, there's no telling what God is going to do. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, said this. He said, the secret to life is to allow the flame of the Holy Spirit to catch fire in your heart. And he said, people will walk for miles to watch you burn. Are you burning? What's God put in your heart that is burning? What language has God given you to burn with the Holy Spirit? Everybody here is differently and uniquely gifted. Everybody here has got a language that you can share, and somebody in this world needs to hear it in your language. You gonna let the Spirit fly in your life? You're going to let the trap door open? Are we going to do that? Or are we going to go, you know, well, let's just business as usual. No, that's not Pentecost. Pentecost is not business as as, as usual. And I may be a heretic for saying this, but I don't believe that's the only Pentecost that's ever happened. I believe there are more Pentecosts that await us at St. Luke's or wherever you find yourself I believe there's one more surprise, one more surprise in your life somebody's going to get and they're going to know that they were understood because you took the time to share and to listen so that we get each other. I believe that's going to happen. Pentecost is the day that people were burned by God's Spirit never to return to the same way of life, like an old preacher said, normal is a setting on the washing machine. That's all it is. Your life was not meant to be normal. You were meant to be filled with the Pentecost spirit. Like, you've got something to say. You've got a sermon to share. We can't stay here. We try to keep it right at 60 minutes, right? We try to, I try to nail it. I'm, I'm going to go a little over, but not much over, because this is not where the work is done This is where you're filled. Out those doors is where you empty yourself. Kenosis for the world. That's where you share the Spirit. Pentecost was when the church marched out of the building and into the streets. And that's what we're called to do. This is the miracle of Pentecost. That God would come to people as flawed and as uninspiring as those disciples and start a fire of inspiration and a new hope. Pentecost happens anywhere that God swoops down and blows the doors and hinges and the walls come down so that people can be understood, so people can understand. The good news It's the basic ingredient to any recipe of love breaking out in the earth. Pentecost happens when the good news gets out of the stuffy room and into the open air where people can breathe it in. They are longing to breathe it in. On Pentecost, the question is always this. Here's our question today, friends. Do we still believe in a God who acts like that? Do we still believe that? God who surprises us? Do we still believe that God looks at us and sees people he can work with? I sure hope so. Do you know, we don't have to earn it. We'll never be good enough, Right? But God loves working through people like us. If God can do it through the 120 that were there on Pentecost, God can do it for us. So I do. I believe in the Holy Spirit, like we say on so many Sundays. I believe that God won't always wait to check our calendars or our energy levels when He invites us to do something new. God many times crashes into our lives, our locked rooms, our fear, and does a new thing. Maybe, maybe, well, here's my burning desire that we are ready to be a trap door through which the Holy Spirit can enter into this world. The Holy Spirit can fall, fill the air, and create new hope. The world awaits. The people out in the streets are starving for it. God is ready to do a new thing. Are you? Are you? Hey, maybe Thursday night, passing out hot dogs, Holy Spirit might show up. I, want, I don't doubt it. Vacation Bible school, the Holy Spirit just might show up. I don't doubt it. If we believe, if we breathe it in, I don't think our doors or our shutters are safe at all. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for the movement of the Holy Spirit. Forgive us for making you a little too routine and boring. Forgive us for expecting too little. Raise our expectations, oh God, to what you can do through a church like us who is filled by the Holy Spirit. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. I invite us now uh, to turn to our closing hymn. Take note, it's verses 2 and 3. And if there are those who would join the Christian community today, I invite you to come forward as we sing. That's 454, 454, verses 2 and 3. Let us stand and sing.